called Finding Your Way Back to God. And we, last week, man, it was incredible. We had the Easter Bunny. And it was a lot of fun. And, uh, but we talked about awakening to longing. Because a lot of us that are far from God, we, we're looking for purpose. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for love. And we're trying to fill the gap in our hearts with things that won't fill it because God made us with that. And so we long for something more, and that is God. And we, we talked about that last weekend and how Jesus is the answer to filling that emptiness. Um, but today, we're going to talk about something very, very powerful. And, uh, but, but before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in Indiana. How many of you guys have been to Indiana before? Yeehaw! There's cornfield for days, right? And it is flat, and there is no, nothing interesting to the... To the to the land, the landscape, and and, and growing up there, it's very interesting because a lot of the people who immigrated and settled there were German. In fact, at one point in U.S. history, when they were trying to decide on the national language, it was between German and English, and and English only won by a very few, small margin. And uh, Indiana is full of these German communities, Swiss from Switzerland, from Germany who had immigrated to America to escape oppression for the religious beliefs. And, and you can find these groups that are known as Amish, uh, and they live in Indiana, and near my hometown, near, near Warsaw, Indiana, that's where I grew up, you would literally be driving down a country road, and you would have to often pass a, a buggy and a horse, and a whole family, you know, with, a, with the, you know, the Amish hair things and their homemade clothes, and it was it's just the, the most peculiar thing. But growing up, it was normal for me. But they, um, they were just an amazing community. It, without electricity, without our modern conveniences, cars, things like that, and they would have these big old farms, and they would paint everything white, and it was just, it was beautiful. They made great food. Uh, we got invited a couple times to some of their get-togethers, and man, they, they, do, they raise their own honey and, and livestock and, and vegetable gardens, and it's pretty incredible to see the way they live. But one of the things you may have seen on the reality TV is something called Romspringer. Romspringer, it is a German name, uh, uh, sorry, a German word, and I'd like to see if you could say it with me, because I'm German, all right, and uh, you, you just say Romspringer, Romspringer. Can you say that? On the count of three. One, two, three. Romspringer. Okay, well, you, here's what Romspringer is. It basically, it's a term that means running around. And for Amish, they give their young ones, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old, they give them a time to figure things out. And if they want, they allow them to go out to the world and party and do whatever they want and discover whether or not they want to stay a part of the Amish community because they give you two choices. One, you get baptized in the Amish church and you continue on with that lifestyle the rest of your life. Or you walk away completely and you're shunned. And they have these, th this reality show, and it, it shows all this, these young people exploring for the first time and, and romping around, so to speak, and having the time of their lives, but then they come to a decision. It's a very heart-wrenching decision, and you see some of them return and some of them don't come back. And uh, I don't know what the name of the series, but you could probably find it on Netflix or something else like that, but... Anyway, so Rumspringa, and we all have our own versions of that, right? You think about your freshman year at college, right? You, a lot of people, young people, that's when they get their, sold their wild oats or, 
Or even you think about, you know, MTV Spring Break. You see all those young people on the TV going crazy, and they're not really thinking about consequences long term, and they're rumspringer, right? Uh, And you could see it in other times and other phases of life. You know, sometimes uh, uh, married men, we get um, married women, get midlife crisis, we get to 40, and all of a sudden we have a breakdown, and we're buying Harleys, and we're... You know, we're, we're trying on different looks and different hairstyles. And, and, but perhaps maybe some of us here this morning have experienced or are in currently right now a type of rumspringa. Maybe, uh, maybe you're experimenting with different substances or maybe, maybe you, you went somewhere you shouldn't. And, or maybe you're in a relationship you ought not to be. And you're, you're, you're in that kind of phase in your life right now. But I would like to ask you this morning, just real, right to the point, right to the gut, right to the heart, how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Because when we're in that phase of our life, we're again, like what we talked about last week, we're trying to fill an emptiness that God created with the wrong types of things. And what I'd like to do is because I'm going to talk about something this morning that's very powerful and I can't do that on my own. I can't speak with clarity or conviction unless his spirit is speaking through me. So I'm going to ask him to help me out. Would you join me with that? And uh, let's bow our heads. Um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the big things that you're about to do in the hearts of everybody who's here. And Lord, we just thank you for um, just loving us in spite of where we are in our life, whether it's a Ramspringa or if it's a valley or if it's uh, very far from you, Lord, you, you love us. Your heart breaks for us, and we, and we desire you. And Lord, I just pray right now that the power of your spirit, that you speak to me, that I would move out of the way and let you say what you got to say. And Lord, I also just pray that hearts here would be open, Lord, that if there's any uh, woundedness or walls that have been put up, Lord, that you would penetrate this morning by the power of your spirit. Lord, we give you the awakening church. It belongs to you, and we thank you so much for this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen, amen. All right, so last week, awakening to longing, but this week is awakening to regret, kind of like the video we just saw. Now, how many of you have some regrets? You may, maybe it was on a rumspringa. Uh, you have some regrets in your life that you could think back to, and, and even now as I'm talking, you're thinking about maybe one or two things that really just, really just hit your heart. And you're, you, you're thinking, man, I just wish I could get the uh, back to the future. What, what is that car, the car called? The DeLorean, right? DeLorean. I wish I could get the DeLorean and did a, get a do-over. How many of you guys would like a do-over, one or two things in your life, okay? I'll raise two hands, maybe three or four or five things that I'd like to do-over. Now, um, we're going to jump into uh, the story in Luke about the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. So you can start turning there. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we want to hook you up. As a gift to you, we have a custom awakening Bible in the back. Just raise your hand. We'll come bring one to you or grab one on their way out. And it's just a way for us to say, hey, we value you. We appreciate you. Um, and also, if a much easier way, a lot of us don't even look at physical Bibles anymore. We, we do it on our phone. So we have a custom awakening app that has the Bible on it. It's pretty cool. You can listen to messages, and they're uploaded. I'm a little behind on uploading the messages by a couple weeks, so apologies. Um, but yeah, you can listen in wherever you're on a trip in the mainland or wherever you're doing, you can, 
catch us on that as well. So we're gonna, before we turn to Luke 15, I just want to bring up a verse that I felt was per- pertinent to the whole subject of awakening to regret. Um, and based, this whole series, by the way, just so you know, is, is based off a book by Dave and John Ferguson called Finding Your Way Back to God. It's a powerful book. If you get a chance to buy it, um, we're following that each week. There's five different awakenings, right? Awakening to longing, awakening to regret. And that's today. Then we have, that's it, six? It's five. I think it's five weeks. So we have three more, all right? Now, before we jump into Luke 15, uh, I want to bring up 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. This is kind of the main verse for today, for awakening to regret. Let's read it together. For the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Now, here's the important part. There is what? No regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in what? Spiritual death. Now, I want to say a couple of things. First thing is that we're talking about a godly sorrow. Like, have you ever done something really messed up and you went to your parents and you really felt sorry and you were just like, Mom and Dad, I'm so sorry and I will never do that again. You were very authentic. Can you remember a time when you've done that or maybe some other authority figure? Can you remember a time maybe when you went to the same people and you said you were sorry but you didn't mean it at all? Like, sorry. Like, my daughters will come up to me and I'll say, say sorry. They'll be like, sorry. And I'm like, that's not sorry, right? Uh, and then you can tell when they're really sorry. Uh, but godly sorrow, this is what we're talking about. Uh, it does not include the real kind of repentance and sorrow does not include regret. That's, that's kind of convicting to me because as I think back on my life, there are things that I feel like I still regret in spite of God's forgiveness in spite of his, this powerful hand able to, to move in my life and, and, and heal me and make me even better, I still have things in my life that I regret. And so it makes me wonder, have I really truly repented if I'm holding on to this regret? Because regret is an ugly thing. It's a tool from the enemy. It's a powerful tool that will cause death. Other translations, you read it, it's not saying spiritual death, although that's, very, that's probably the most important kind of death there is. But it, in other texts, it says just death, period. So if you're holding on to regret in your life, is it possible that you're bringing upon yourself death, both spiritually and physically, emotionally, mentally? You're allowing death in your life. Maybe it's involved with your relationship with the person you're with right now, whether you're married or dating, and there's regrets, and there's death. The smell of death is lingering in your relationship because that hasn't been let go of. There's all kinds of different ways to apply that concept, but I would like to get into the story of the prodigal son. It's one of my favorite stories because I consider myself as, uh, as such, a prodigal. Now, the story goes as this. The son from a seemingly wealthy man, goes and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. Now, what's significant in that time when this was written, when a son would go and ask the father for inheritance before he died, it would be as though he was saying to his father, 
you're dead to me. You're nothing to me. Go, you know, go pound sand. I, I, I don't really care for you. And he, he was longing for something more. And so he goes to his father, and here's the interesting part, and Jesus is telling the story, by the way, this prodigal son. It, he goes to his father, asks for an inheritance, and guess what? The father gives it to him. He gives it to him, and he lets him go. Kind of like the Amish with the, their, their kids with Rumspringa. He's like, go ahead. That's the way our father in heaven is with us, is if we want to turn away from him and we want to do our, things our own, he'll let us go. He'll let us go and figure things out. He's not going to control and manipulate us. He's going to let us go. And so the son goes and he spends, he splurges, he throws MTV spring break parties and goes nuts. And, and before you know it, he has nothing left. And so he's looking for work. He can't find any. He has no references. He has no experience. He had a good at his dad at father's house. And he kept on looking, and he starts starving, and his clothes start de deteriorating. He hasn't had a shower, or he hasn't had a bath, and he's starting to stink like a homeless guy. And he goes and stumbles upon a farm, begs the farmer for a job, and he says, you'll be my pig boy. You'll tend to the pigs. And that's what he did. He fed him slop and rotten food, leftovers. It didn't make enough money, so he was eating the leftovers himself. Can you imagine that? Have you ever been to a pig farm? Have you ever smelled them? Okay. Neil knows what I'm talking about. Uh, have, have you ever seen them get fed the leftovers? The food, it's like slime. It's all, it's, it's, and this guy's eating it. He's, he's so hungry. And that's where we pick up the text. In Luke chapter 15, we're going we're gonna to focus specifically on verses 17 and 18 this morning, because I think this is the essence of this, this text. We talk about this prodigal son all the time, and this, for the first time, stuck out to me, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. So here's what it says here in the text. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Now, there's two parts of this verse that stick out to me. The first part is that he comes to his senses. He comes to his senses, a light bulb goes off on his head, and, and he realizes the mistake he made. He is awakened for the first time, to regret. Have you been there? Have you been in a situation and, and maybe somebody told you, don't do that, and you, you did it anyway, and then in the thick of the consequences, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and you're like, ah, you realize that you've made a mistake Or maybe you're about to make this mistake and everybody who cares for you is sitting down with you and saying, hey, don't do this. Please don't do it. And we're not listening. And, and, and we ignore those around us we love. And so we don't acknowledge it. We don't, we don't acknowledge that we're, we're going to a place that 
There's going to be regret. But here, let me tell you something. There's a great quote from Richard Rohr. He said, you cannot heal what you don't acknowledge. And what you do not consciously acknowledge will remain in control of you from within, festering and destroying you and those around you. It's powerful. So, some of us are in a season where we get it, we're regretting something, or we're not listening, we're not acknowledging it, and we're about to regret something. Now, Maybe is it possible that despite the warnings and despite the people speaking in your life, that maybe there's an area that you may be headed in the wrong direction in. But today, maybe it's, it's time that you come home. And that leads me to the second part of the verse that sticks out in verse 18. He says, I will go home to my father. I will go home to my father. Now, this is repentance. This is what this verse is talking about here, repentance. Now, there's two different uh, languages that are used in the Bible. There's the Greek and there's the Hebrew. Now, the, the Hebrew is in the Old Testament. I, I took a Hebrew for a year. That's why I didn't get the... I, got, I graduated with honors, but it held me from like the top honor. So there's just like different levels of honor. So my wife got the top one because she didn't take Hebrew, right? Ah, no, just joking. She probably would have aced it, but it's a tough class. And the guy was, the teacher was one of the guys that have translated uh, parts of the NIV. He was on the, the, the team that translated that version of the Bible. So he's brilliant, but it was just like, whew. and then there's the Greek, right? And that's the New Testament. And the Greek was much worse for me because the teacher uh, I just, I, I, I'll take responsibility. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's, foreign language, Greek and Hebrew, they're tough. Now, German has a really close relationship with English, so it's a little easier to learn. But Hebrew, oh my goodness, throw everything out the door. You read from left to, instead of from right to left, you read left to right. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Now, so repentance, the Greek word for it is metanoia. All right? And that means to change one's mind. Right? The first part of that verse. Right? Where, where is it? Finally, he came to his senses. You see it? Changing one's mind. He's changing his mind. He's coming to his senses. There's something in his mind that's awakening. Then there's the, the Hebrew word for repentance, which is teshuva. It means to return. So you see the second part of that verse, I will go home to my father. So changing one's mind and then to return. Now, we've all come to our senses on one thing or another in our life. But a lot of us, we, we make it the first step, but we skip the second one, which is to return home, go back to the father. And you think, see, so in yourself, you're thinking, well, I haven't made the second step because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that people won't accept me. I'm afraid that they won't take me in. Could, and, and could God ever forgive? Could I ever be treated like I did before I made my mistakes? So I, I can tell you personally from experience that it's hard when you make mistakes because people look at you differently. I felt that before. 
I felt judged. Have you felt judged like that before after making a poor decision? It's terrible. But that prevents us from coming back, coming back to the Father, coming back to the church, coming back to the way God wants things in our lives because we think we'll be rejected, we'll be pushed away, we'll be judged. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not God's way. The prodigal son story where Jesus told the father's looking. He's looking out for the son. Where's my son? Where's my son? And he sees him in the distance. He's not in his office picking his nose. He's out at the road looking for his son to return. And that's what the father is doing for you now. He's looking for you to return. I'm getting, man, I'm, I'm feeling him. I'm feeling his presence right now because I'm speaking to somebody this morning that you've been feeling like, man, I can't return because he's rejected me. The church has rejected me. And, and, and he's saying, come here, my son. His son, he falls, to the, he falls to his knees and he says, Father, I've sinned about both God and against you. Can, please, let me put me to work in your pig pen. At least I'll eat better. And the father's like, no. He picks him up. He puts on his ring and he puts on his robe and gives him a nice bath and throws him, invites everybody in town, throws him a party, and, and, and they roast some lamb and they have a great time. They're having such an awesome time that the, the brother who has been faithful all this time and, you know, walking the line, he's all ticked off that the father is so loving of the son who squandered. But that's the heart of the Father. And so, that's the heart of the awakening. I don't know how many people I invite to church and you can see the regret in their eyes. You can see the shame. I say, come on to church. They feel like they can't walk across that threshold unless they melt because God is so angry with them that lest he smite them. I'm like, no, come back. I don't care what you've done, where you are right now, what sin you're struggling with, get your butt back here. Because God wants to love on you. Even if you haven't had an aha moment, get your butt back in here. Because it's likely that one of my sermons might make you have an aha moment. Hopefully if I'm doing my job, right? But we, we, we're so afraid. See, our, our attempts to find love, purpose, meaning on our own lead to end the cycle of longing and regret. But, but if we decide to return to God, we'll, we'll find we can start over. We can start again. We can have a fresh start. How many of you guys like fresh starts? Clean slate. Wiped clean. Right? Be like all those... Speeding tickets you have that's jacked up your, your insurance rate, okay? Well, imagine if just like that, boom, wipe clean. Now you got the, the good insurance rate. Wouldn't that feel great? Some of you got criminal histories. Imagine that, wiped clean. Some of you have been through divorce, been through some really tough stuff. Wipe clean. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that feel great to have that wipe clean? I mean, I'm telling you, you can have that. You can have that. That's what our God offers. A fresh start, a new start. It's nothing you have to earn. You don't have to write your, you know, I will not, you know, talk back in class 50 million times on the chalkboard to get it done. No amount of Hail Marys we're going to, no, it's done on the cross. So we talked about last week. It's done. 
paid for. Fresh start. His love for us is new every morning. He speaks his unfailing love over us each day. His love pursues us. It, it's not even just he's looking out for your return. He, he's, he's following you. So all you got to do is turn around. You don't have to climb over the mountain, walk through the valley, swim across the sea to find him. No, he's literally right, right there, right behind you. Now, so how does this apply to you? Where, where, do we, where do we make a decision? Okay, remember last week we talked about that mathematician, Pascal, and his prayer, he challenged, he's challenged, he's, he's a brilliant man, and he wanted to help others around him find God, and he just challenged them, hey, you know what? I'm not asking you to say, hey, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, you know, change me. Uh, not even that, people who are not even there yet, they're not ready to say that. We said, okay, well, I got a different kind of prayer for you. And I've, I've used this before when I've talked to people who are not ready yet to give their hearts to God. I, I said, hey, why don't you pray, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And I, I, I made them, I challenged them to pray that prayer. And, and, and those that do, every single time, God will reveal himself to them. But the, the challenge I made last week was, hey, for 30 days, ask God to make himself real to you. But I want to add on just a little bit to that prayer. Now, this is what I want you to pray. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. But then the second part, second sentence in this is, awaken in me the possibility that with you, I can start over again. Because some of you don't believe it. You don't believe, you believe that your do-over is done, it's spent. You, you, you don't have another one. But I'm here to tell you, his mercy is new every morning. If he told his disciples to forgive each other 70 times 7, and he's God, and he's telling them that's their standard, imagine what God's standard is on forgiveness. How many times? You don't get just nine lives with this whole forgiveness thing with God. If you mean it, he'll forgive you, and it's a new slate. So we're going we're gonna to say that prayer together in just a moment. But before we do, and I don't normally do this because I'm not like this, I'm not a Pentecostal like pastor. I'm not, a, this is not a Pentecostal church. I, I, I think there's some, I was raised Pentecostal and they would do all kinds of great things. But I want to speak this verse over someone. And I believe there's someone in here that needs to hear this. And it's in Isaiah 43, chapter 18 through 19. And this is what it says. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a what? A new thing. Everybody say a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And God wants to do a new thing in your life. All you got to do is ask him. Ask him in this prayer. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bow our heads here and close our eyes. And I'm going to ask for you guys to just be real with God. And, and so 
why don't we do that right now? Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for what we're learning. We thank you for the big things that you're teaching us. And, and Father, we just pray right now by the power of your spirit, Lord, that the, the, the things that you've been convicting in our hearts would, would come to mind, that we would have literally awakening to regret. We would realize that there's a regret in our life. And Lord, maybe if there's something that we don't see, Lord, maybe that you could reveal that right now so we could have an awakening in our minds to where we are spiritually. And if you're in here this morning and you feel like, man, I I have one or two major regrets that I'm holding on to and it's killing me. Without anybody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed, would you be courageous and honest this morning and say, you know what, I have some regrets I'm holding on to. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. Good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I have my hand up too. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. I'm going to continue to ask you this morning. If you're in here and you just you struggle, if you struggle with the concept like, I don't know that God can give me another chance. I don't know that I can start again. And I struggle with not only letting go of this regret on my own, but I have a hard time believing God will let go and forgive me, give me a new start. If, if, just be transparent, eyes closed, heads bowed. If that's you and that's just a struggle, it's hard for you to, to believe that God can do that. Do Raise your hand so I could pray for you. Somebody here. Sometimes I struggle with that. God bless you. Good. So, Lord, I just want to pray right now. Over those of us who have been holding on to regret, and it's it's been hurting us, it's been holding us back, it's damaging relationships, it's damaging our, rela- uh, damaging our relationship with you. Lord, I just pray that we could learn to let go. I just symbolize... Uh, as a symbolic measure in your mind, I want you to, to visualize yourself taking that regret in your hand and dropping it on the floor at Jesus' feet. Just imagine whatever ugly thing it is, just lay at his feet. Continue to pray this morning. If you feel like, man, you walked away from God, but you want to turn back to him, I want to show you how to say a prayer a rededication prayer where you can turn back to God or maybe you've never turned to Him at all. It's the same kind of prayer. It's a prayer of surrender. They're both one and the same. And if you could all say this prayer out loud with me so nobody feels left out, I'm going to show you how to pray and how to give your heart to Jesus. You say these words. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross and you also rose from the dead. You conquer death so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come in my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name.